where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. One of the ways to frame Lent is in the context of a journey with Jesus to the cross or a journey to Jerusalem. And today's segment, actually we have a picture of Jerusalem that's gonna come up on the monitor. Uh, Karina made this available for us. This is a picture of the second, second temple. Um, and you can see Jerusalem in the background, but really the center of Jerusalem from a scripture perspective and from this journey perspective is the temple and that whole area. And so as we journey with Jesus to Jeru Jerusalem, this week's scripture reading is um, one of the unique moments where Jesus weeps over Jerusalem and recognizes the hard things that happen there. And so in the context of that reading, we're going to light our candle for the week, uh, first by lighting last week's candle, which is a candle that reminds us that we make this journey together. Our word last week was together. And our work this week in our journey to Jerusalem uh, is grief and a very distinct aspect of grief, which is lamentations. And you'll hear more about that in a few moments. But let's begin with Jesus and his lament over Jerusalem. I'm in the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter, verse 31. So at that moment, Pharisees came and said to Jesus, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, go and tell that fox for me, listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. And here's his lament. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, desolate. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. We'll come back to Jerusalem a little bit later, but um, we could take that picture down now. So, lament, lamentations. Lament, um, I think an easy way to look at what lament is 
because it's so much connected to grief, is lament is grief pouring out, just spilling over like coffee on the floor or like a jug of water that just doesn't stop when the glass is full. So lament is an expression of grief. And grief, as we know, you've heard this here before, is an expression of love. We don't grieve the things we don't love. And we don't lament the things we don't grieve. It's said that as many as one-third of the Psalms, there are 150 in total, so 50 of them fit into the category of lament. Our opening song was Psalm 27, not a lament. Consider how often lament shows up in popular music, and not just country music. Music is a great vehicle for lamenting or lamentations. When we hurt physically, we cry out in pain. When we hurt in spirit, we cry out in lament. Lamenting shows up in prayers and songs, in poetry, in shouts and in wordless expressions, in gestures, in ritual. It's an expression of all the feels, as they say. And this can be uncomfortable, and it can feel a little too vulnerable. You know that sense of, like, we got to keep it together. Just power through. Lamenting says no. Don't just power through. Don't keep it together. If you're not accustomed to expressing lamentations or or the practice of lamenting, there can be a fear that it will be too big or raw or messy. I've noticed this fear is usually an indication, for me anyway, that feelings have been stored up and they need to be expressed. Because it's true, it's like that Instapot or the pressure cooker. It has to be released at some point or it will be a real problem. So lamenting is a constructive way to deal with feelings related to grief. And it is messy and it can be unrefined and that's okay but it doesn't have to destroy. Whatever it is that we love, whether it be a person, a place, a people, a value, whether it be our physical or cognitive abilities and activities, when any of these are in jeopardy or lost, our spirit cries out. Some version of, no! What's your word? For lament. Is it why? Is it how long? Is there no word? Is it just a guttural scream or moan or groan? And at times our spirit might ask deep and pointed questions too. Like, where are you, God? Where are you, justice? Where are you, love? I call and it goes right to voicemail. I text and you're ghosting me. What happened? Where are you? 
From a faith perspective, it's important to realize that these questions, these laments are not shortcomings or the absence of faith. They are an act of faith. I was reading a blog post about the need to reclaim lamentations, great reading, right? At the end of last year, but it was timely. And it was written by a Franciscan priest, Father Michael. And he says, faith is not a statement about God. Remember, one of our practices here is that we don't have tests of faith. We don't ask you to believe certain things. So he says, faith is not a statement about God. It is trusting over our entire selves to God. And that's very different. And that turning over may include a bunch of beliefs, but we may have different bunches of beliefs. So trusting over our entire selves to God, and so perhaps it is not lamenting, but the unwillingness to lament that is an expression of a lack of faith. So think about that. Do you trust me enough to tell me what you're really feeling? Or do you try to polish it up and make it sound okay and make sure, make sure that I think you're doing okay? And that's the royal eye. Can you trust enough to lament in someone's presence? He goes on to say that after lamenting, healing begins. Personally, I have noticed this. I've noticed that after the lament, Heaviness becomes a little bit lighter. A singular focus expands. And distressing memories soften and fade a little bit. And even more so over time. So maybe the healing begins with a lament. Maybe it's not just after. Maybe lamenting is part of the healing. Because it's an acknowledgement of the pain. Listen to two of Jesus' laments. This first one was in Jerusalem in the Garden of Gethsemane. It comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. He threw himself down. That's a posture of lament. Throwing yourself down. And prayed, a practice of lament, for this hour to pass. Remove this cup from me, he said. And then there's a shift. Yet not what I want, but what you want. First you get out the lament, and then there's a shift. It's not always at the same time or in the same sentence. Here's another one from Jesus, Psalm 22, from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Probably said a little louder than I just did. Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? And then a few verses later, he gave a loud cry, a sound of lament. And that might seem like the end of the story, but it's not. Because there's a shift. And when he appears to his disciples and friends after his death, what does he say? Peace be with you. No more crying out. No more groaning. Closer to home, 
If you attended the service for Linda Pettit, her daughter, Elisa, shared her lament. Now, she didn't call it a lament, but it was. She began with another gesture of lament, her hand on her heart. And there were tears, as there were for many of us that day. And remember, Linda's motto was, look for the miracles, right? Look for the miracles. So Alyssa said she was looking for that miracle in the last weeks and months of Linda's illness. And when Linda did die, Alyssa said, I was very angry and indignant and so very sad. She asked, where is the miracle? If anyone deserved it, it was mom. That question of lament, where is the miracle? And then it turned. She said, over the last few weeks, I began to wonder, who am I to say what the miracles are? Maybe the miracle was and she listed something. And she said, maybe the miracle was, and she listed something else. Maybe the miracle was, and she listed, and she listed that about five times. First the lament, and the acknowledgement, and then the shift. How do you lament? And if lamenting is a new practice for you, how will you? Lament. There are many more examples in scripture of lamentations. In fact, there's a small book in the Hebrew Bible called Lamentations. It's five chapters, which are five poems. And this book was written after, uh, during the confusion and suffering that was felt after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. What you saw was rebuilt, but there was a first temple that had been destroyed more than 500 years before Jesus ever walked the earth. And the first poem is called Deserted City. How naked sits the city that once was filled with people. Historically, this lament was about Jerusalem. Today, perhaps Ukraine comes to mind, or New York City, or Washington, D.C. on November 11th. There are many examples in between those two. And as I said, Jerusalem would fall for, well, I didn't say this, but the second temple, which you saw a picture of, and Jerusalem, would fall for a second time. It wasn't just that one time. It happened again after Jesus' death. And this time, it was at the hands of the Romans. The wall that remains of that second temple, Hakotel, the wall in Hebrew, also known as the Western Wall, is a holy site in Jerusalem where millions of people go to pray each year. 
I imagine many prayers of lament are offered at the West Wall. I think it's significant that it is the West Wall because in Judaism, as you may recall, the day begins at sunset. So this West Wall, this wall stands as an important remnant that reminds us that even in the most devastating moments or chapters, not everything was destroyed. Much was, but not everything. And we're going to visit the West Wall in our prayer time this morning. Turns out there's a live cam. I've been watching it like like people watch the eagle cam. It's amazing to see people come up to the wall. Some of them with their forehead pressed against it, another posture of lament. I say that because for me, a posture of lament sometimes is putting my head on the pew. You know, there's a big difference between hitting a wall and leaning against a wall and feeling the support and strength of a wall. Lamenting is not hitting the wall. It's feeling the support and the strength sometimes. And sometimes it's throwing something at the wall 